0: There we go. Oh, yes. There we go. It was just just trying to get my voice out. Um, but Sham, Josie, Megan. No, sorry. Megan, Josie. No, I'm going to ditch that. Anyway, um, thank you so much um, for, for doing this, for being willing to uh, share with us uh, this evening. Uh, but why don't you just introduce uh, and tell us a bit about yourselves uh, for us this evening? Why don't you start just by introducing Meg? You go first.
1: Okay, um, so I'm Meg. Um, I grew up in Oakwood Church, and um, I currently work in a finance company.
2: So, all very exciting. All very
0: exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, Sean.
2: Uh, I'm Sean. I, I live in Caterham and have my whole life, apart from when I went to uni a few years ago, um, and I studied in Bath and did textile design for fashion interiors. Um, I'm currently back at home i 'm um, working in my uh, family business uh, my my dad 's family business uh, in the office uh,
3: yeah uh. I'm Josie, Um, yeah, same, I grew up in Catrum with my dad and my brother, and uh, yeah, at the moment working at Access Insurance, shout out to the guys (laughs) in the back, (laughs) Um, and yeah, so I I spent a little bit of time at university studying photography at Farnham, so a bit of a mix in my life, but basically Catrum through and through.
0: H3, there we go. Um, and just, just as we start, I wanted to do a sort of a, a millennial quiz, a kind of uh, quick fire. Um, so, avocados, yes, yes or no? Yes, yes no. definitely.
2: No, no, no. avocados. <laughs> no avocados,
0: no. Avocados, no. Um, hummus, yes or no?
3: It's like mm, kind of, sort of. Kind I of. can take it or leave it. Take <laughs> it.
0: Uh, oh, right, uh, quinoa.
3: I don't know. Mm. Mixture. You could probably, like, Mixture? not, yeah, not go with of, quinoa. Not my thing.
0: All right, okay. And uh, what, what would be your favourite uh, type of coffee to drink?
3: I don't drink coffee. Neither do I. Are,
0: you, are we sure we've got millennials?
2: I mean, mine would be I a latte, mean, but... Okay.
0: Don't have hummus, quinoa, don't drink coffee. Um, do, you, do, you, do you like coffee, Sean? Yeah, I do. Do you like coffee? Mm-hmm. Latte. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. brilliant. <laughs> um, so... I know, despite them not liking quinoa, they are millennials, I can promise you that. They're in their 20s. Uh, And there's obviously, we know there's lots of pressures, and we'll talk about that uh, later on, Uh, but what are some of the best things that you think uh, about being a millennial, being someone in their 20s, what are some of the best things you feel uh, about being in this generation?
1: Um, yeah, so I find that this generation is quite accepting. Um, you can hop on to social media and see it all. Um, yeah, and loads of positive posts, um, all about accepting everyone. And you know there's always going to be someone on there going through similar things to you, so it's quite comforting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So millennials tend to be a very encouraging, supportive generation. Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sean, what about you? Uh,
2: I think like a mixture of things. So I'd probably say the connectivity with others. So such as like if you want to FaceTime someone, you can any time of the day, whether it be in this country or elsewhere around the world. Um, I say when I was at uni, it was really cool to, you know, FaceTime your mum or your friends and then kind of feel like they were with you, even though they weren't technically physically with you. They were, you know, in the kind of space and seeing what you were doing whilst you were away from home um
0: yeah yeah so have you if you FaceTimed anyone really far away
2: uh there was one I guess there was one time when I was away skiing with my family and I was in I think it was either Switzerland or Austria and there was some wi-fi next to the chairlift so I was FaceTiming a friend in New Zealand yeah and we were in the middle of nowhere with internet with her on FaceTime in New Zealand in the middle of the mountains and that just shows how technology these days is amazing
0: yeah. So, yeah. And as i manager do you find yourself drawn to Wi-Fi hotspots, <laughs> <laughs> like like some um, kind of force that pulls you places? I, I,
2: I would try and say no. No. I mean, it's helpful if you go to a hotel or you're away from home and there is Wi-Fi and there's no signal. But I don't think I would, would like to say I'm not dependent on my phone where I need to be connected to people online
3: when there's people around you. Yeah. So yeah.
0: There we go. And Josie, what do you think? So I
3: best? think the sort of best thing about being our age is that there's a lot of love and support for each other. We're quite a supportive age group and really kind of, especially with things that like mental health, it's very open and honest with each other. And I think that's such a benefit for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to express yourself to your friends and people in your peer group is is so positive, which maybe isn't something that previous generations could have felt they could have done um, and I definitely think that's uh, sort of one of the great things of being our age
0: Yeah. So one of the things that really kind of maybe might mark a millennial generation is, is willingness to talk about things mm. that maybe other generations maybe previously historically don't talk about and there's an openness there uh, that you would share things
2: I also think it kind of leads on to the kind of opportunities that you have in today's society, um, your kind of the whole kind of idea of like the world is your oyster, and kind of you can do what you want is very much like apparent in today's society. Maybe more so than it was back in like our parents' kind of yeah. generation.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. So just
0: that that freedom, you can do anything, yeah. go anywhere. But,
2: I mean, even say you could get a train, not probably not train, like a plane. Uh, to scotland or to somewhere in europe and you probably get it for like 50 quid you know yeah. it's quite you know yeah. back in the day you that would not have been a thing yeah. so weekend breaks yeah.
0: abroad yeah got any plans
2: abroad no no, no. all <laughs> right no no not abroad but i am not going i'm going like up to scotland in a
0: few weeks. that's kind of abroad so you yeah. know another country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you never know um, maybe in the future um but um So clearly there's loads of things that are really good about benefits, maybe you could say about being a millennial, being part of this generation, being in your 20s, but there also must be huge pressures uh, as well. Uh, And what do you feel like some of those pressures are that that you have to face, uh, this generation has to face?
3: I think one of the biggest ones is although social media is so prominent and Um, useful it does cause a lot of stress and anxieties amongst people and I think our generation sort of feel that quite heavily because it's the generation that's almost developed with the social media outbreak of Facebook and Instagram. And it's having that facade almost to try and be the best person, but also you're, you it's all a competition. You're scrolling through Instagram. You're seeing these people that have amazing lifestyles and you sort of think, how can I compare myself to that? And you can't. And it's, it's all a sort of pressure of trying to make yourself look amazing and kind of yeah just where it makes you look down on yourself Hmm. which is a big pressure I think a lot of people feel
0: yeah so you feel like as a a negative impact to some aspects of social media you know you look you don't know what's real what's fake yeah uh, comparing yourself to much what's on there and
3: yeah like some people I know people that have two separate Instagram accounts where one will be um sort of their socials and it'll be amongst their friends and family where it's just really silly pictures and real life whereas their other one which is their formal Instagram account will be where they're expressing their holiday pictures and maybe like funky pictures and stuff like that and that's where you've got this real break and you're actually trying to show the world something that you're completely not Mm. and there's a pressure for everyone to kind of be like that
0: yeah yeah So, so you feel that pressure to to be someone that actually maybe you're not. Mm -hmm. I think it
2: kind of we live in this whole kind of generation of kind of you know be who you want to be because that's great. You know, whatever you want to be in life, you go for it, you do it. If you want to live wherever, go and live there. If you want to kind of, I don't know, be with whoever you can, you know, do whatever you want. But actually, it's the kind of whole kind of black back kind of flip of it is actually well. What is, what is what is it and what are you meant to be? Like, who are you meant to be? Hmm. Like, if you're, you're telling me that I should be who I am or who I want to be, but what actually does that actually really mean? Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, yeah. a flip on it, really. So it sounds um, like a really
0: positive message, you know, be who you ever want to be.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but... What is that?
2: Yeah, and... <laughs> what does that even
0: mean? It, yeah. You know, it's,
2: it's, it's kind of, I guess, what Tracy said. It's kind of, the world is telling you to kind of look a certain way, do a certain kind of job, or go down a certain career path. You know, you get a best house, you get to have a family, all this sort of stuff... So there's, there's all these pressures that are kind of put on you when people see you, that everyone's always asking, oh, what are you next doing in life? Oh, you know, you've got a boyfriend. Okay, when are you getting married? You get married, when are you having a kid? Okay, you have a kid. When are you having another kid? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's always a constant pressure.
5: Yeah.
2: Without people, never, people never intentionally, you know, want to put that pressure on someone, but naturally there is that pressure. Yeah. And you're kind of, even though you don't want to kind of, you know, feed into something, and you don't want to kind of go with, the, go with what the kind of general population are, there is kind of that pressure to kind of go in that kind of direction of life and, you know, get married or get the best job or whatever. So yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's a, yeah. a lot of pressure.
0: It's a pressure of expectation. That, yeah. You know, this is where you're meant to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you get to, to like this point in your 20s and like you really should have done this by now. Mm. And, you know, that pressures a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Megan, what about you? What do you think some pressures?
1: Yeah, Um. I think... I, I find personally, um, one of the biggest pressures is to always be available. So um you know, always, you know, be able to answer that text message and um always keep up keep up with the trends. It's it's a very fast paced world. Um and um yeah, let's um I find there's quite a big pressure to always be on your phone, always keep up with everything. There's a new app and try this and um, try this new beauty trend. and um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so do you feel like, you know, when you've got sort of friends bombarding you, there's pressure to be available, Mm. that has an impact maybe on your relationships with friends when you you can't keep up? Mm. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I find that if I'm going off grid for a bit, I have to let them know. And just being like, oh hey, um, I can't text you for a bit. I'm, I'm going I, I'm somewhere. busy. With <laughs> I'm yeah. going somewhere with no signal. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> Are you going to a place like? Yeah.
0: So you've got all your friends now, Megan. Going. She sent me that text this week. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, is, that must be a huge pressure. You know, yeah. you know, you take your phone everywhere now, and so you almost feel like you can't escape. Um, Did you feel like you can't escape, kind of almost at some points?
3: I think so, yeah. especially with the way, like how we're saying, although it's good to have the connectivity that we have, it does, like you're saying, Meg, is it gives you that pressure of. Being available and answering messages as soon as you get them, and um, you can see when people read your messages, mm. and if they don't reply, then that yeah. feels stress towards some people.
0: <laughs> that was a look at me. That was. I don't know why.
3: But well, I, yeah, I think also, like
2: in terms of your phones, <laughs> if like if you all ask yourself today, what's the first thing you look at when you wake up, and oh, what's the first thing that you or the last thing you do before you go to bed. And I know I'm kind of speaking for myself, I don't know about you guys, but it would be my phone. And that's Mm. crazy. They're like, we live in this world where people are all around us, like, look how many people here today. But yet we're still kind of attracted and obsessed with our phones and, like, the Mm. online kind of conversation that you have with people as opposed to the physical kind of communication with others around you.
1: Mm. And I find that even when you're in a um, conversation, your phone quite often takes a priority, so you... Bring up a quote that you've heard that goes with that conversation or um you know you sit and share funny photos with your friends and um on your phone and they're sitting right next to you and then
2: i say it's even like when you go out to like for a meal with some friends and you'd have people like on the next table and they're not even talking they're just on their phones the entire time with not even having a conversation or you go out for a meal and someone has their phone on their table and not in their bag and as soon as it flashes up, they're looking at their phone as opposed to you. Yeah. Because it's that kind of oh I've got to, you know, be in touch with those people online instead yeah. of going actually you no know, they can wait. Yeah. Um yeah.
0: So. Do you feel like you know it's interesting with sort of that, that phones. Do you feel like sort of phones may be linked to sort of a millennials identity? There's so much that we have on our phones, you know, it has everything, you know, it has messaging social media now, photos, even just bringing up quotes. Like, do you feel like we attach ourselves in some form, like phone becomes part of our identity?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's, I, I found it funny when I switched from having an iPhone to an Android phone, and people went... Well, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> it's big. <laughs> it's, it's a big device. Traitor. Yeah, um, so even that, it gives you an identity. I'm an iPhone user, I'm an android
0: user yeah 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 because we talked about you know what are the, the blessings i guess or the benefits of, of being a millennial and one of them was was you were able to connect any you know to anyone in the world you know you mm. could go skiing you could be on top of a mountain and you could be you know facetiming someone back home um and yet that same benefit you know of using the phone is is also a, a monumental pressure uh to you yeah Absolutely. Well, obviously, millennials don't always get a very, uh, how should we say, a a good rep, maybe, all the time. And, you know, I found this article uh, online uh, this week. It should come up on the screen. Uh, It was from (laughs) The Independent. I wonder if we can get it. Here we go. I promise it's really good. It's worth the wait. There we go. Here's The Independent. Millennials find caring for plants daunting, survey says. And actually the survey said that the vast majority of millennials that they surveyed surveyed, uh, found that actually if they were given a plant to look after, actually, yeah, that's quite a daunting experience most people felt. Uh, Which I guess doesn't paint us in in the best light, I would say, (laughs) I don't know what you would think about... What, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that I article? think this is
3: very frustrating. Very frustrating. I have about 20, 20 plants in my room that are thriving. So it's not
0: daunting for you. <laughs> so, yeah. I
3: have two dead plants. Oh, <laughs> Meg, let us down.
0: <laughs> oh, Megan, we were you, were you surveyed. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, Sean, do you have any living or dead plants? No, I
2: don't have any plants. I was probably so, say.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But kind of on that it does sum up so much doesn't it about how uh, sort of our culture views the millennial generation and I guess how would you how would you say that people describe millennials what do they say about them
2: I think based on this it is kind of that whole thing of we we can't do anything we're useless we have everything handed to us on like a silver platter everything's done for us you know, we live off the banks, you know, of mum and dad. We don't have our own independence. We're kind of totally relying on other people and we have absolutely no idea how to do life.
0: No idea to do so, life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you asked the question know, I'm giving an great. answer. It's honest.
0: I just love it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. I,
2: I don't agree with that. I at don't all.
0: agree. No. No,
2: I think millennials can totally do life and they're smashing yeah. life.
0: So. Smashing life. There smashing you go, you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do,
3: I do sort of agree. There's, there's that sort of the idea that we deserve to be happy. People think that millennials are quite self-righteous and are, put themselves at the top of the food chain and make sure that they're happy before anyone else. But I think that's completely wrong again, is is that I think we're a generation that's caring and wanting to actually do a lot for others and we forget a lot about ourselves. Well, I know that that's what I'm like anyway. Um, So, yeah, it's like that, thinking that we we deserve to be happy and that we want everything on a silver plate. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think that we... um yeah it's expect everything now so not only well people think <laughs> this um now we expect everything on the, on the plate for us but also now and i think you you see that in society they're bringing out more like things like uber eats um, to your door straight away is is i think the world think that millennials are quite impatient um yeah
0: and impatient because um, we live in a world that is just so instant. Mm.
2: Um, I mean a classic example of that is when I was in school, If you wanted to set someone uh, like go on the internet, you couldn't do it on your phone. You'd have to go to a computer, go <laughs> to the library, find even a book and you know <laughs> you know <laughs> what's the, what's library, so young <laughs> people
0: know what they are.
2: And in it you'd yeah, ha- you'd library. have to kinda look that way. You you know, you have a question, you ask Google. You get out your phone and you just look straight away. Like it's that instant yeah so
0: everything's instant amazon prime yeah next day delivery absolutely everything's instant i
3: think i had someone say to me the other day as well was that um they said oh when i was growing up we were all poor and i think that's sort of the idea that people have it very easy now and that everything's available to us but i think we're also poor in our own ways But I think there's more accessibility to having financed items, which gives us that sort of wanting it now look and that we want the newest thing rather than the thing that we can afford. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I think that was quite prominent because it was like, oh, yeah, you kind of just want money and you want everything now.
0: Yeah. And so there are clearly a lot of stereotypes that go with being a millennial, as you just mentioned, Uh, you know, uh, everything, you know, is is sort of you want to be easy, uh, handed to you on a silver platter. Uh, we have got everything. Uh, we want, you know, the dream job, dream car, dream house. Uh, we deserve that. Maybe people would say or think that we think that. Um, <laughs> but I know you've already said that, you know. shout again (laughs) Um, so but do you think any of that is true Um, do you think there's any grain of truth maybe to some of the the stereotypes uh, that people say of millennials maybe of that uh, article that we saw in the independent
3: I think partially I mean I am guilty for having a financed car um so it's a nice, car. It's a nice yeah. car but it does sort of show that rather than me just buying what i can actually afford i've gone for the finance route and got a new car um and that's the idea of wanting it now but not being able to affording it but so mm-hmm. just getting it anyway idea <laughs> yeah
1: and and i think the, the world sort of goes well why why haven't you got this um it, you know you've got a good job you've got this, you've got that why haven't you got this thing um, and I think in, in that society you do feel a pressure to then get that thing um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so would you then therefore say that back to this identity question that for a millennial our identity may be might be in what we own what we have say that
2: that might be true. I would say so. I think when you go over to you go to like a friend's house like your initial thought is ah oh, you know they've got a nice house or they've had a nice family upbringing or, or they're kind of you know seen a bit is it working? I think no, not really. 5% <laughs> what was <laughs> I <don't
3: know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
2: oh, you're back. Am i I'm back. Getting...
3: Between us. <laughs>
2: um, can, can you hear
5: me
2: now? I don't. Hello. Um, shall I shall I shout? Yeah. Can you yeah. hear me at the back? <laughs> okay. um, I've forgotten the question.
0: It's <laughs> great. <laughs> it was a great answer, by the way, what Sean gave the first time, um, which was kind of our identity in what we own. You know, we're saying, you know, we want everything now, kind of the things that we have. Do you feel like our identity does become somewhat in, in what we own?
2: I think it's very easy to get caught up in what, I don't know, say your job. Your job, is it working now?
0: Yeah. Can you hear me?
2: Yay. Yay. Uh, like, for example, your job, your, job, your job can become kind of more of your number one priority in life and you spend more time at work and more focus on work, even when you're at home, than you do actually relaxing or kind of seeing friends hmm. Um, and even the conversation that you have can be like taken into your kind of social kind of relaxing home time as opposed to just keeping work at work. Um, even with houses and like people having the best house or a nice car, your identity can very much be wrapped up in those sort of kind of materialistic uh, things in life. see.
3: So. I think even what you're wear- oh sorry Meg no, I think even what you wear is a big aspect <laughs> in sort of spending money on things mm. and at the moment I think it's more looking at the environmentally friendly side of things so if you're doing stuff more environmentally friendly then you're seen as sort of that better person and your identity's slightly more positive mm. but if you're going and buying the most expensive thing that's like yeah. shipped from the other side of the world then you've got a bad carbon footprint and that looks yeah. really bad on your notes like- so Disaster
0: for people a millennial taking notes bag. exactly. Oh, yeah. But
2: then it, I think that even comes down to like labels on clothes. So why do people buy a Nike or an Adidas kind of top or trainers or bag as opposed to kind of a more high street kind of with no label on it? Like, what? Yeah. Why would you go for the branded when you can have yeah. one that's half the price? Yeah. You know, it could be made in the same country, same quality, same materials used in the fabric, but because it's got that label on it, it's bulked up the price by 20 quid. So.
0: You do you feel like that pressure? comes back to that whole comparison thing uh, where everything we're doing is not actually for ourselves but actually to present a few to everyone else around us.
2: It's kind of like the acceptance of others Mm. you can can argue that. I know in schools and the pressures that even teenagers are facing now you know, of having the best things just to look good in front of your classmates Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think that's true in every generation
1: Um, I think all of our identities are put into what we own. Um, I'm a blue car owner, and, and like <laughs> <laughs> my dad owns a silver car. Is uh, so it's uh, like everyone has yeah. that identity yeah. and put on them, yeah. um, whether that's the society today or if that's how it's how it's always been. Yeah. I, I think that is how you. Gain an identity. Yeah. yeah
0: It's just how it kind of it varies from genera- what it looks like from generation Definitely, to generation. Yeah. So it looks very different from a millennial now to I mean, other generations. A
2: classic example is our parents and kind of our grandparents will probably, a lot of their identity will be in their house. Hmm. Our generation, especially in this area, will not be able to afford a house. Like yeah. that is a fact. So our identity is not going to be caught up in what our house looks like and how the interior of our kitchen looks as opposed to it's more caught up in what we wear, as you we guys said, yeah. or like your phone and what phone you have, or kind of, yeah, yeah the job all that you're pressures.
0: in. So. Well, we've heard so far, you know, we've heard there's a lot of good things to be in being a millennial, being someone in their 20s. We've heard that there are a lot of pressures uh, that are on this generation, uh, especially. We've heard how maybe other people view the millennial generation and, and all of that. Uh, and, and for you three, you know, you, you shared experiences that that mo- I guess most millennials could relate to in, in some part, you know you 're very normal, sort of uh, down to earth, uh, and yet there is something that is different about you three that, that not all millennials are like, uh, in that you, you love and, and follow Jesus, you're a part of this church. And so the question really is, in light of everything that we 've talked about, the pressures, the benefits the uh, stereotypes, maybe that others might have. How does being someone who follows Jesus make a difference uh, to being a part of this generation with everything that we've talked about? Being someone in their 20s, uh, what difference does following Jesus make?
1: Um, I find that um, it's a consistency that most people um, our age don't have. Um, I think. Uh, social media, the trends are always changing. Um, Everything changes Mm. within our life. And I find that Jesus has been a solid foundation Mm. for me since I've become a Christian. I've had that reassurance um, and that hope that Mm. um, nothing is going to change. And it's, Um, It provides a solid foundation um, for everyday life, really. Um, Yeah.
0: And that's that's so cool because this world is so fast-paced and things change, you know, whereas before they might have changed every year, now it seems like they change every day. Something's new every day. Something changes, new trends. and, Mm -hmm. And you're saying, Meg, that actually you follow Jesus, someone who is unchanging and who remains, you know, same yesterday, today, and forever, yeah. uh, and that's a huge uh, comfort, encouragement. I guess you used foundation, didn't you, mm. uh, in life? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it makes a huge difference, definitely. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think, oh, oh sorry, go no, you go. You go, you go.
3: I was gonna say, I think with that, is that through normal secular life, having relationships is sort of one of those things that is seen as quite important. And with being a Christian, you've got the most important relationship you need. Mm. You've got that with Jesus, and that he will always be there for you. And um, like most people in this world, they're sinners, and they'll make mistakes, and stuff might happen. But Jesus is never going to do that. Mm. And I think that gives you an amazing joy, especially with all these pressures, you know that there's that relationship that you have um, that not everyone understands, mm. but it keeps you strong mm. in that same foundation way. Yeah,
1: and even when you mess up, he still loves you. I think that's the most amazing thing. It's not that he's—it's not just that he's not gonna mess up and hurt you. It's that even when you mess up and hurt him. He's still gonna love you and accept you.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Sean?
2: Um, I would probably say it makes every difference to, towards kind of everyday life. Um, every kind of, I guess, every time you wake up, your kind of perspective on life and your kind of, the way the day, I guess, is gonna go and what you're gonna do in the day is so different, how you look to the future and how you kind of make plans for like now and the future is totally different to someone who is not a Christian and doesn't follow Jesus uh, in terms of worrying about, you know, oh, where am I going to live when I'm older or what job am I going to have? As a Christian, yeah, you you know, you have aspirations, you have ideas of maybe what you want to do, but you know, actually, in reality, it's all down to God's timing Mm. and God's plan and where he wants you to be in life. And even though it's quite daunting... It's also quite exciting because you know you have that kind of peace on your heart that wherever you are now or wherever you will be in the future is where God wants you to be. Mm. And that changes your whole kind of perspective about, you know, even the little things in life as opposed to the big things.
0: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And so sort of thinking sort of in the future, you were saying that uh, there are lots of pressures that people sort of think about, you know, what am I going to do here, what am I going to do there? And you're saying that your relationship with Jesus, knowing him... Uh, like, makes all the difference to that. Um, does that make a difference, kind of, for stuff that people might fear uh, in life? It's uh, so the sort of anxieties that sort of come about. Is there, is there stuff that actually you know as a Christian, uh, actually, actually, I'm not anxious about that uh, because I know Jesus.
2: I think, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, people are always going to find situations, um, or people, you know, scary or kind of daunting or stressful or you know they have anxiety or you know depression or whatever you kind of want to go there's you know a whole array of different things but actually having like as meg and both both meg and jacy said having kind of jesus your you know your center of your life and your foundation is even though there are times in life where you can feel stressful or kind of just really down you know that god still loves you and you know jesus died for you on that cross and like that's insane, like, you know, a person like me having Jesus start on that course is, like, quite mind-blowing, so, mm.
0: yeah. Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, going to say something. Yeah, and I guess in, sort of, our culture, uh, sort of, there's every focus on this life. Um, you know, it's all about this life, all about what we get now. Um, and I guess what you're saying is, is that Your perspective on life and and the now changes, Mm. has changed. Uh, What would you say about that?
3: Well, it's like you have YOLO, don't you? You only live once, but actually you don't. And I think if you know Christ, then... Oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 Then it gives you that hope that you need... And you, this life is not forever, and that's okay because there is an eternal life that we're all destined to if we know Jesus, mm. and we'll be there serving Jesus and loving Jesus as he loves us. Mm. And I think that's so special. Rather than just like doing everything in this life and mm. trying to feel so much out of it, um, which might just be completely meaningless. You're just filling up a bucket that's got a hole in the bottom. Whereas if you put your heart towards Jesus, then it gives you that hope that there is something more. Mm. You, you die here, but you, you have so much more to live for.
2: Mm. I think that kind of like follows on from that whole kind of idea of people nowadays, they're living for now, they're living for the moment because they only kind of have this idea of. It's one life, that whole kind of, you need to live in the moment now Hmm. and get everything that you want to do in life for yourself. You want to, you know, achieve big, you know, you want to achieve big, you want to do, do life to the best that you can because you've only got one shot at doing it. But actually the realization is in reality, no, you know, you have kind of like, this is like your temporary life. I, I don't know if you guys were here, but there was a talk at church. I don't know, maybe a few months ago about like, this is kind of our Nokia life and like eternity in heaven is our, iPhone life, and this is yeah, the kind of temporary version mm. of what is to come, yeah. And living in the light of that and knowing what is to come changes everything because mm. why, why are you striving for everything now when you actually know that that's not going to last forever? Whereas, actually, eternity is forever, mm. um, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, when you kind of think about it, you know, sort of this whole perspective of you know, maybe other people in this generation you know it's, it's looking to this life because maybe that's all we think there is and yet because of knowing jesus because we know that he's risen uh, he offers the hope of eternal life that there's something beyond this life that we're living right now that shapes everything like and how we live and how we view things right now as well uh, It has huge implications uh, for life yeah and do you find it a huge comfort as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, cast your worries upon the Lord. And, you know, it's really freeing hmm. um, when you're worried that you can just say, "My like, Lord, you got this. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it just enables you to just live life to the full, I think. Um, and I do find that really freeing Mm. and and really helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds liberating, you know, kind of that whole burden of, you know, sort of worrying about keeping hold of things and, you know, uh, we've got this one life and making the most of it and, you know, FOMO, that's kind of the word that's banded around there, fear of missing out, you know, because we've got to pack everything into this life. Um, And yet knowing Jesus and following Jesus actually gives you a perspective that actually it doesn't matter um, because there's more to this life actually there's another life to come and that's the one that matters as you were saying John. Um, Yeah and so how does sort of think we are the whole theme of this week the theme of this evening is, is on identity. We've talked before about the identity that maybe we find as millennials sort of uh, our identity in, but how does Jesus uh, shape how you see your own identity now?
1: Well, for me, um, I look back at who I was without Jesus, um, and there was a time in my life that um, I turned away from jesus and i um, I, lo- I was very lost um, and I was in my um, foundation degree. Um, and I thought I was really artsy, I had pink hair and um, I rebelled a bit <laughs> um, and uh, all my projects I was looking for my identity, I was challenging society's views of identity. Um, I did one on disability, I did one on colour and I did loads on um, different types of identity um, and um, and then I found a boyfriend and um, I put my whole identity in him. Um, and so when that relationship fell apart and that broke, um, I was lost again um, and I was having a really tough time. But my, um, I found my faith um, with Jesus um, just before that breakdown, down. Um, and, you know, that really held me together. That really kept me going um, on the days where I didn't know who I was anymore mm. I was able to know, know I'm a child of God and, um, and God loves me mm. and I think in times of trouble that's all you need um, and so yeah and that's how it shaped my identity I've mm. been able to go I, I belong to Jesus mm. um, and Jesus belonged to me mm. um, Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, (laughs) Meg. Absolutely. Sean, how how do how do you think it shapes your identity?
2: Uh, I guess it's that whole thing of Christ is my identity, and um, kind of without Christ, I am nothing and just myself. But with with Christ, um, I am everything. There's actually a really good. uh, I'm just gonna read it now. Let me get my phone. Um, A really good (laughs) phone. (laughs) have it down. Somewhere. but um see we, we all use our phones um but it's a really good verse that kind of describes I guess Christ being kind of my number one priority in my life and that actually everything else that kind of this world is offering and expecting and kind of wanting me to be actually it's all irrelevant because actually the biggest thing in life is Christ and that takes priority over all things um so let me read this um so this is from Philippians 3 um so this is verse seven and eight. But whatever were what gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and um, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And I just think that's a really good kind of summary of yeah, what it means to how kind of Christ is the centre mm. and the forefront in your life.
0: So. Absolutely. And
3: I think for me, it's it's changed me, not completely, but it's definitely changed me a substantial amount. Um, I think a lot of people in this room and generally know me as a very sort of happy-go-lucky, outgoing person. But there was a time where that was not the case at all. And I was definitely in a bit of a dark hole that I didn't know how to get out of. And coming and meeting the community of people that all have this one thing in common, which is Jesus, um, and the love that they showed towards me really built up a hope that I could actually have that same feeling mm-hmm. in my heart, which I think I do have, um, which is so special to me because there was a time where like I didn't, didn't want to be on this earth and I think that's so sad to think of mm-hmm. now. Um, but it's through coming here which I think has definitely saved me. Um, and obviously learning about Jesus and learning what he actually did for us and which astounds me because it's why would anyone do that for me a person like me um, but he did and he loves me and that just gave me an incredible feeling of hope and just love and it was mm. it's really built me up completely and I mean there's still struggles and I think everyone has struggles but my identity is definitely evolving into something that is so much more positive, mm. and that is through Christ.
0: Yeah, in knowing that, that love that He has for you, that love that, that changes um, for what He's done for us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Megan, Sean, and Josie. That has been. I, I've I've loved hearing what they've been able to say. I think we should give them a round of applause for what they've done. And, uh, we're shortly gonna have, we're shortly gonna have an interval where we'll be able to top up teas and coffees and have a few bites to eat. Um, and also there'll be an opportunity to text in. I'll talk a bit, um, bit more about that. But, uh, Kezia's just gonna, uh, play us some music, um, before we have our interval. Thank you so much, Kezia. I'm
2: reading it from my phone as well, actually. I don't actually have a title for this song yet, but I can tell you what it's about. Um, and it's kind of about how, um, how the world often talks to us and how it's kind of perceived. But I'm not getting any sound from the keyboard. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Teza. and we'll hear some more uh, beautiful music uh, later on in the evening. But we're going to have an interval now, and there should be a slide, actually, that comes up uh, that gives a way for you to uh, ask your questions to Sean, Megan, and Joseph. We'll have a short time in uh, the second half. It'll be a bit shorter, uh, but a chance for you to ask any questions uh, that you want to know from them. Uh, So there we go. It's from Slido. So go on, sly.do uh, on Google. Enter that code, Real Lives Week One, uh, and then type your question, and it should come through to us. And uh, we'll have a look at them. Ignore all the bad ones. Pick all the good ones, and uh, and then come back uh, for our second part of the evening. So do feel free. Uh, go in. There should be food, uh, tea and coffee provided. Uh, but let's have a few moments uh, to recharge. they've been flying in. Uh, so do head back to your seats, um, and we'll go and ask some of these questions to uh, to Megan, uh, Sean, and Josie. And, and just to say before, there, there's been a few questions about Danny and the Rhymes, and not many of us will know about that, but uh, just to say that uh, there's stuff coming up. Don't worry, everyone who's... There we go. Yeah, don't worry. There we go. It's coming. <laughs> um, but um, one question to start off with is, is if someone's put in... Uh, Do you find uh, Generation Z annoying? Uh, That's the the younger generation from millennials. So kind of, I guess that.
5: That was him. That's you.
0: Do you find them annoying?
1: Uh, (laughs) My little sister is one, so you you can't really say no to that, answer. I don't think. think So
2: yeah. No. I don't know if I'm on.
0: There we go. Hello.
2: I don't really think you can give an answer to that one.
0: So. I can't, you can't answer that no. one. Okay, we'll move on to you a different can't question answer then. It. Um, yeah. Um, one question says, someone's written in, do you have any advice for the, the next generation? So you don't find them annoying, maybe you could give them some advice. Um, <laughs> for the next generation, was there something you'd wish you'd known done sooner regarding your identity?
2: That's quite a big question. That is a
0: big question. That, this yeah. is
3: question two.
0: This so it's is only going to get
2: harder, and this is the second one. Wow, okay.
3: Um, identity in Christ or general yeah. identity? Yeah, I
0: guess we talked about our identity being in lots of different places. You guys have shared how actually your identity is shaped enormously by following, loving Jesus. Um, what kind of, I guess, what, what would you say to someone um, who's sort of talk, having questions about their identity?
2: So just, I would say, just general life advice, which is so easily said than done. But to try not compare your life with others, and try not to live your life with like kind of like a mask on, and kind of live in your life with like this false identity, and that's not who you really are. Like, stay true to yourself. And if people don't kind of love you and accept you for you, hmm. then are, my question is, are they really genuine good friends? Because if you can't be yourself around someone, then that's a massive issue.
5: Hmm.
2: Um, yeah. So you just kind of got to stay true to your roots. Yeah. And stay true to who you really are. Yeah. Um, and obviously, when you're young, it will, it will change, like, so much. Uh oh. Can you hear me now?
0: Yes. Oh, still here. I've me. lost it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, don't, don't feel, don't kind of get pressurized into doing things, uh, which you know aren't morally right, or, um, if you're a Christian, that aren't really, like, Christian things. Um, you know, you can get so caught up in what the world kind of, I, I guess, Kind of what the world gives or what the world suggests that's good. Hmm. Um, You know, you've got classic examples, you know, alcohol and drugs and all that sort of jazz. Is it, you know, is that a really good thing to be doing? I don't know. You know, you've got to make your own decisions. No, it's not a good thing. (laughs) Don't be be doing that. But it's staying kind of true to your, yeah, your roots.
0: That's the, and I guess you've been talking about identity, sort of living that out, you know, you guys sort of, um, yeah. You, you, you've been sharing with us very openly about how uh, you follow uh, and you, you know Jesus uh, for yourselves. Um, one, one person wrote in, it says, Well, do you, do you share your faith at work? Do you find it hard um, sometimes uh, to share your faith? You know, your identity is in following Jesus, and yet that's not an easy one. Or is it an easy one to live out?
1: Mm, I, I find it quite hard. Um. I think it's because um, it's such a real thing to me. It's so personal um, that I find it hard when um, people dismiss it and they mm. say, "Oh, you're silly for believing that," and they try they try to make me not believe. Um, and so I do find it hard because I'm quite protective of it because I love the Lord Jesus. Mm. Um, and you never want to hear someone talk bad about the people you love. Um, but I think, um, the, the Bible does tell us to, um, share God's word. And so even when it's difficult, I think it is really important to still do that. Um, and so, yeah, I do, um, I do do that. But, you know, I've, um, yeah, I, I think I'm quite shy at that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So there's some um, some challenges there that you share, make. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, Jana Josie.
2: Um, I would say it it's, it comes easier to some than others. So with uh, certain people, it's really they're really open, honest people, and you can kind of discuss anything with them. So it kind of can actually come up in a conversation. Whereas others are quite stuck and set in their own kind of ways of life and kind of the attitudes towards doing things and in that way it is hard I think thinking back to when I was at uni and when you kind of had that question of ah oh, right I'm a Christian I'm starting uni how do I tell people that I'm a Christian and I think that question in itself is quite hard because you're like oh are people going to judge me differently or are people going to treat me in a different way because I'm a Christian mm. um, but I think as I learned over my kind of three years at uni that a lot of you being a christian is kind of shown in your actions and um, so it's not just what you say but it's how you do things um and classic example going to church on a sunday and um, not swearing is another one um kind of not drinking to excessive amounts where you pass that on the floor you know kind of you know different examples where you're actually going hang on you know church is still a thing you go to church on a sunday why do you do that? Great conversation starter. Mm. You know, oh, weekend, what's coming up on the weekend? Oh, well, on Saturday, you know, going to London or, you know, going to some, you know, nice city. Mm. Um, but on Sunday, I go to church. That is a great conversa- conversation starter because a lot of people, especially I would say our oh, generation, I don't know if you guys would agree, but a lot of people think church is dead and church isn't a thing. Mm. And only the older generation go to church. And people our age, that's a whole other concept that we would get up willingly on a Sunday morning after a Saturday night and go to church. Like that, <laughs> not very really funny, that is mind-blowing. And it was especially in the case at uni, and you'd go to church, and you'd have your shin lunge, and you'd come back about two, three in the afternoon, and your housemates were still getting up from bed from their night out on the night before. So, yeah. you know, there's great kind of examples of just hmm. you being, how you, kind of how you live your life shows kind of hmm. your identity and um, yeah. your Christian life. So, yeah.
0: So for you, identity and following Jesus is not just something that's like spoken, well, that's important, you said, but also something lived out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
2: It was, I guess it's the whole idea of being a Christian is kind of active, and it's not just kind of dead and put in the ground and you say you're a Christian, but actually you do really need to show it, yeah. um, and that is a great witness in itself to others. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, got, a, got another question. Uh, someone says, okay, boomer. Um... <laughs> Indicates a reluctance to learn from the wisdom of generations before us. How can we be better listeners and help those after us to seek wisdom? So I think that's written by a millennial. <laughs> I was going to say, um, yeah. So I guess, kind of, I don't know. I get sort of from this. I'll sort of adapt the question. Sort of, what are you? What's your view of kind of older generations? Obviously, there's a lot written about sort of you know, ah, uh, dismissed, that's what they did. Um, but is there any wisdom uh, that we can learn? Uh, sorry, there is a lot of wisdom, I will say that. I'll carry out that. I mean, just,
2: just kind of first thought about about that kind of question. It's, it's saying things in a not, non-patronizing way. I think a lot of older people, you know, have the best intentions at heart, but when they say things, you know, it doesn't maybe necessarily come across as, how they think it is or they don't understand the whole situation of how someone our age or someone in a similar situation to us is going through. And it's really a kind of having that kind of transparency and open openness and kind of that relationship between the person our age and kind of the slightly older generation Hmm. and kinda actually understanding where they are coming from. And just because as an older person you would have done it differently in that day doesn't mean it's going to be the same uh, kind of situation or kind of how you deal with it now because they're, they're different so, yeah. Would yeah. you say that
0: there's a reluctance like just, just kind of in terms of um, sort of millennials in general would you, would you say there's a reluctance to kind of learn from the wisdom uh, from generations that have gone before
1: I don't think so um, I think we we can learn we, we from them however we challenge it and I think OK Boomer is a um, way of challenging it it may not be as respectful as it should be but it's really going actually have you thought about that Um, uh, things have changed Um, Mm -hmm. there's a new way of doing things now Um, and it's not meant to come across as disrespectful, I think mm. we're challenging mm. what they're saying mm. um, and going, oh, do you want to think about that before you mm. say it? Um, yeah, so I think um, it's not a reluctance, it's, um, I think we're cautious um, on what lesson we learn and then what decisions we make mm. afterwards. Yeah. Mm.
3: Yeah. yeah, I yeah. would agree. <laughs> I mean, you, you get a generation that turns around. To, it's, it's sort of a... It's back and forth, though, isn't it? Because a generation that turns around to people like us and say, oh, why haven't you bought a house or save? It's so easy to save, get a flat and all of that. But back in their day, they could buy a house for a Mars bar and a packet of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: <laughs> a Mars bar and a packet of crisps.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. it's not quite the same. <laughs> not quite. I, I if only. <laughs> okay. um, just think, kind of
2: thinking, I guess, back to that question as well. Another thing is, like, as a kind of young person, you kind of want to tr- you you learn things along the way. So as kind of an old, the slightly older generation, it's kind of encourage them you know, on, along the path of, I guess, life, that sounds so cringy. But, you know, it's kind of encouraging them and going, actually, you know, sometimes you have got to go through certain things and kind of learn lessons as you go, because you can't have, kind of, say, your parents kind of telling you how to live your life for your entire life. You know, there comes a point where you need to do your life, but have them encouraging you and being there as well to support you with what you're going through and to have that relationship, especially, like, with your parents... Um, it's really it's, it's quite
0: special in itself. Hmm. So, yeah. um, one person, I think, sort of, yeah, the question was as a millennial, can you say no to social media <laughs> um, and the pressures these formats can bring? Uh, I guess we were, we were talking, weren't we, before about how sort of one of the huge uh, identity sort of, questions that the millennial generation. Sort of use is, is social media and that platform. And you, Josie, were saying it's kind of one aspect is sort of a, a facade and the other sort of real life. It's kind of we project this image that we want everyone else to see and that can form our identity uh, into someone we want to be. Uh, but do you feel like you can say no to social media? So if, if tomorrow, if I said, right, no more Instagram. Um, could you survive? Um, would you want to do that? What's your kind of relation to well, social obviously media?
3: Obviously, we would survive. There, there yeah. wouldn't be any serious consequences. But I think it's... what well, personally, I would find it weirdly difficult because it is true that I wake up and the first thing I look at is my phone, like we were saying earlier, and it's the last thing I see when I go to sleep. I even have an app that reads my sleep, so it's like all day, all night, constant. All day sleep? Yeah, <laughs> all day sleep. But I think it's, it's something that we should look into and I mean, as a 20s group, we're planning on going away, where... There is going to be no signal or Wi-Fi or anything, wow. so that's that's a big deal. Chris,
0: where have you Chris Emily have, have
3: Booked us in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that will be a challenge. But yeah. realistically, it's something that I think people are coming to see the the benefits of doing that. And it's it's bizarre that when I was younger, I didn't have a phone and I was okay, but now if I don't have my phone, I suddenly panic because what if I get a message and I can't reply to it? You know? What are you going to do?
2: And also your phone's more than just a phone. It's got so much stuff on it. Mm. And it's got like all your notes and all your photos, all your emails. It's, got, it's not just a kind of call and texting. Um, but in terms of that question, I say the biggest thing with social media which I find, especially kind of post-uni and kind of going into your younger kind of 20 adult life is the connectivity with like others that aren't necessarily in Cachem anymore. Mm. So it's keeping up to date with kind of life with other friends that aren't in your area. And I think that's the biggest thing I'd find a challenge because even though I don't message people all the time, I can kind of see how they're doing uh, depending on how much they post mm. like online. So it wouldn't be more of a challenge to kind of get rid of it for mm. kind of my own, Ah, oh, you know, I don't need all... I, you know, I don't want all those likes on a photo, but it's Mm. more of kind of that I won't be able to keep up up to date with as many people as I normally do. I mean, a classic example was um, this Saturday I was at a wedding and I met a friend that I met when I was skiing last year and I haven't seen her since. However, I've kept up to date with her life through Mm. Instagram for the last, what, since April to now. So even though when we spoke at the wedding on Saturday, we were having a conversation because we've seen what each other Mm. have been doing online and it's that sort of thing which I think I'd miss by not having it. However... It's one yeah. of those kind of, yeah, and, in between things. And do you
0: feel, just very quickly, uh, last question, sort of on social media, do you feel like Jesus shapes the way you look at that now and the way that you interact with social media and stuff online, Facebook, whatever it might be? Um,
1: I, I make sure that I follow um, Jesus-centered posts um, as well as all my friends. Um, but I like to have a little social of Jesus in with my social media, um, just to you know bring me hmm. back to Jesus. And um, every other post, just yeah, hmm. I, I think that's really helpful um, yeah. to do that. I would
2: uh, agree with that. I remember when we were talking the other week on a Friday, and like it's following uh, kind of uh, what do you call it, like pages on Instagram, which are. Kind of designed uh, with a nice background picture and then like a Bible verse on it. Um, so when you're scrolling through with all your different friends, you've got some nice Bible verses and kind of yeah. um, thoughts that kind of pop up that make you kind of yeah. a more Christian related as opposed to kind of social society yeah. kind of related um, posts. So it's having a, having a balance. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well. I'm going to leave it there, there are, there are loads more questions which if you go on Slido you can see all of the questions and if we had more time we would um, but time's pressing on but can we give a, another huge round of applause to um, Sean, Megan and Josie thank you so much and uh, just before we close on a short thought uh, Kezia is going to play some more wonderful music for us
4: Okay. This song is called I Shall Not Want by Audrey
2: Assad, and it's kind of just like a prayer um, to just leave all your fear to God.
0: Thank you so much, Kezia. Well, do you know, a few, a few years ago, a London newspaper decided to conduct a bit of research by getting someone to stand outside of a busy tube station, Oxford Circus, at peak time, holding out leaflets. And on the leaflet, it had the promise of £5 pounds to whoever took the leaflet and brought it, brought it back to the man who was handing them out. And, you know, huge crowds walked by. This guy was standing there for three hours outside Oxford Circus. And in all of that time, in all the people that walked past, only 11 stopped to return that leaflet to receive their five pounds. And, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? Walking past the station somewhere in London, someone offering offering us a leaflet, and we, we choose to walk Right past, not making eye contact, kind of assuming uh, that what is being offered and presented to me is going to be of no interest to me, it's going to have no relevance for me, and it's certainly going to be worth nothing of value to me either. And you know, we can do the same things when it comes to spiritual things, I guess, when it comes to the Christian message. We see the invitation and we think like the leaflets in London it's not going to be interesting, it's not going to be relevant, and it's certainly not going to be of any value to me. And we walk right past, and we ignore the invite. And, you know, that can be especially true when it comes to being a millennial. I guess we might be tempted to think that, well, church is something that our grandparents did, or church was that thing that you know, happened centuries ago. Uh, we've moved on from that now, surely. Surely. And the only thing really to thank Christianity for is, well, the time that I get off at Easter and Christmas. And yet, we've heard this evening, right the way through, that Christianity is actually far more than old buildings, far more than old hymns, far more than a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's all about a person. It's all about a person, Jesus Christ. And, you know, we've heard right the way through this evening this whole theme of identity. What is my identity? Who am I? And it's a question that a lot of millennials uh, tend to ask. It it might be sort of stereotyped by that trend that we have, you know, to go traveling. And and we go off somewhere to Southeast Asia and we come back wearing those brightly colored patterned trousers uh, with bracelets and a whole load of jewelry with a new haircut with this self-declared notion uh, that over our time travelling, we've really found ourselves. Um, we've answered and we've discovered an answer to the question, "Who am I?" And you know, we don't have to be a millennial to ask that question either, uh, regardless of what generation we're in. But you know, whilst I think that that as is actually a really big and important question to ask, might I suggest echoing from what we've already heard this evening from Josie, Sean, and Megan. But actually the most life-changing question we could ask is not who am I, but who is Jesus? You know, countless people from every race, every background, every walk of life that we could possibly imagine have asked that question and discovered the answer of Jesus' identity to be truly life-changing news. Because, you know, when we look at Jesus' life, You know, Jesus, he shows us that actually our relationship, our our standing before God, is one that is desperately broken. It is one that is failed. It's irreparable by ourselves. And this isn't a relationship like, you know, the one that we kind of have with a friend. And if it doesn't work out, well, that's all right. Jesus shows us that this is a breakdown in relationship, a failure with the one that's made us, with God. And that carries almighty consequences. And yet we do find, despite this, when we look at Jesus, that he actually says, despite this, that he's come in order that he might provide us a rescue. A way for that relationship with God, the one that has made us, to be restored. A way of forgiveness, a way uh, that brings life. Life that extends beyond the grave. And into eternity. And so this evening, what Jesus is offering isn't a five pound note. It isn't boring. It's far from irrelevant. And it certainly isn't worthless. And you know, on your tables, uh, there's a toast rack with lots of things in it for you to look at and for you to take away free of charge. uh, One of which is an invite to our Christianity Explored event, which is starting in a couple of weeks. And, you know, this is a place where we ask that question, who is Jesus? And we look through a book, uh, the book of Mark, uh, which is found in the Bible. It's one of four biographies of Jesus' life. And we explore the claims that Jesus made. We explore this news that has changed the whole of human history. Uh, But, you know, this evening I'm well aware that maybe hearing about Jesus, hearing about the Christian message, well, It sounds a lot like being handed a leaflet outside of a train station. We don't want to acknowledge it. We don't want to be interested in it. And we want to press on to wherever we're going. But, you know, could I invite us this evening saying, what is the worst thing that could happen? What is the worst thing that could happen? Uh, That we come along and we find out that our suspicions about Jesus, about Christianity, are true and there's nothing to it. Or, like we've heard from Sean, uh, Megan, and Josie, we could find this to be the best news, the most life changing news that we could ever hear. And so please do take away those invites. Uh, please come and speak to me or, or Sean, Megan, or Josie afterwards. Um, but can I say thank you so much for coming along this evening? It's been absolutely fantastic to see you. I hope you've enjoyed the first of many events that we've going on this week. We'd love to see you at more. Um, I think there are some invites, some leaflets about what's going on for the rest of the week. They're all here at 7:30, or most of them, apart from Sunday morning, which isn't at 7:30 p.m. Uh, but we've got loads of events that, again. Are exploring and showing and sharing real lives changed by the real Jesus. And that's an opportunity for us all to discover uh, this evening. So please come and speak to me afterwards if you'd like to know more about that. But thank you so much for coming. Can we have another r- big round of applause for Sean, Megan, Josie, and Kezia uh, playing the music? And. Uh, Do feel free to stay. Um, I'm sure there is more tea and coffee found somewhere, more nibbles. Finish off the crisps, otherwise you give me a dangerous job. Um, But do feel free to stay and, and carry on conversation. But thank you so much for joining us this evening. Take care.